reading from the book, my mother's favorite song, page 103. This chapter is on loneliness. We all experience a lot of loneliness in our lives. I know I did. And so I just want to reach out to all you guys out there that are lonely, could be lonely. I just want to say uh, I love you. I'll give you an electronic hug. And uh, let's, let's ask God to be our friend right now in this time of loneliness. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're lonely. We ask you to touch our hearts and our minds, Lord God. We just want to be honest with you. The reeling of the mind and emotions and all these thoughts, Lord God. Thank you that we can go to you, Lord God, and ask you and be honest with you. We are lonely. Lord, you said you will never leave us nor forsake us. So come into our hearts and our minds. We ask in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for this time we have together. Amen. Starting from page 103, the author, which is John Williams Smith, a teacher, really interesting. This guy devoted his life to teaching high school, and, and now he, an incredible work of art is his book. It covers all these topics that um, pertain to a healthy lifestyle. So I just have a high respect for this guy. You know, how hard is it to, to write and to take time to write in, in a person's life? It's just amazing. And then put such a beautiful spin in humor and laughter and heart and death and life. All these topics. So it gives me great pleasure and an honor to introduce his, his various letters chapter on loneliness. And this is his introduction. I used to dread loneliness almost more than anything. I had no idea why it came or why it left. For that matter, it's just sort of a slip up on me, stealthily, gently, and slowly. I have noticed that it comes more frequently with age, and it is of different quality. I also have discovered why it comes. I used to think that it was the same thing as depression, but it isn't. At least it isn't for any more. I can be lonely without being depressed. Although I don't believe I am ever depressed without being lonely. <laughs> when my wife says, what's the matter? Are you depressed? I can immediately say, no, it's not that. I think I'm just lonely. And when she says, why? Or lonely for what? Or I say, I'm not exactly sure, but it has something to do with home. My sense of loneliness will only grow from this point on, but I don't dread it anymore. As my love for life and for this earth grows less and less, as I learn that there is no lasting satisfaction, appeal, or joy in the things of this earth. As eternity gets closer and more real, as more and more of my loved ones stealth silently away, I know that nothing here is ever going to fill that undefined vacuum in my life that I call loneliness. It isn't morbid. It doesn't rob me of either my joy or my determination to live every day to its fullest. It's a sign of maturity, of growth in God. 
There are many things that lessen the emptiness that goes with loneliness, and this chapter is designed to bring a positive and spiritual outlook to your life. Sharing these good years with my wife, watching my children grow and being their families, begin their families, meditating on God's word, praying, communion with God, and singing songs of praise, visiting old scenes and anticipating new ones, accepting the challenge every day to make a difference in someone's life, utilizing every experience and lesson God has taught me to help some struggling program on his way. All of these give me strength to live with my loneliness without wallowing in despair. Loneliness helps me understand that the Apostle Paul statements about his desire to depart and be with Jesus. I also understand that he is right after that too. The part about God not being finished with him here and as long as he was here, he was going to live usefully and productively. May God help us all to be so determined. And now, a chapter on the birds. Look at the birds. When I lived in San Antonio, Texas, I could not find a job. I was humiliated time for, for me. It was a humiliating time for me because I had never been in that position before. My wife has a secure a teaching position, which was very helpful financially, but increased my sense of failure immeasurably. It was a time of much introspection, soul-searching and personal loneliness for me. It was also a time when I discovered that I had not made as much progress in my quest to know God as I thought I had. In fact, I had taken a few steps backwards. By the way, I'm reading outside on my porch, and um, there seems to be some people living life dramatically, actually enjoying themselves. They must be watching the basketball game. My wife is in there watching the basketball game, and I just can't simply see um, spending a Saturday on the couch watching basketball when it's so beautiful out here outside in God's world. So I'm glad I, I was able to break away. I'm on the porch in front of my house, and there's traffic. So I wave at strangers. <laughs> Okay, back to the story. <clears throat> the author says, I had taken a few steps backwards. Through the kindness and generosity of many dear people who love me practically and with good hearts, I was helped to start a firewood business. I bought chainsaws, a truck, and the necessary tools, was given a place to cut wood near Seguin, and I began up in the bushes. I had never operated a chainsaw before in my life. It's amazing how quickly you can learn something when you, the need is upon you. I left the house at 3.30 a.m. and often did not return until long after dark because my need was great. I priced my wood modestly and I sold all I could cut. I was totally alone all day. The sheer, unrelenting, brutal labor was good for me. 
I did not mean that I thought it was good for me at that time. I mean, looking back, it was good for me at that time. I felt sorry for myself. I thought I was the only person in the world who had to work for a living because I worked alone. My, hi. My bitterness and resentment were increased in my isolation. By my isolation. One very cold and overcast day, I was practicing particularly depressed, I was tired, broke, far behind in feeling my orders and frustrated with the cruel misfortune of life which seemed to mock me. Here <clears throat> I was a college education cutting firewood. At one point my chain was dull when it struck a small rock that had lodged <clears throat> at the joint of a limb on the hickory tree. I was cutting. I had just sharpened it, a very arduous and time-consuming task, and in my already depressed and harried condition, it was the last straw. I sat down on the stump of the tree I had just cut, and my eyes began to fill with tears. Miles from any person, totally alone, I sat and cried. Eventually, I cried, uh, and when I began to be restored, I noticed a very small bird, a wren. I think it perched on a limb almost within touching distance. It seemed totally unafraid and watched me with, the, with what I judged to be friendly curiosity. I spoke to it. I know that sounds dumb, totally irrational, but I did. I was so alone that I needed to speak to something, and the bird was the only thing around. Hi, I said. It jumped quickly to a higher limb, but no farther away. It bounced and jerked so cheerfully and lightly that it made me laugh. A soft, gentle, inside kind of a laugh. What are you so happy about? Do you ever get lonely or depressed? I didn't expect an answer, but when it cocked its head to one side and looked at me with such an intelligent curiosity, I listened intently just for a moment in spite of myself. When I was a child, I might have expected an answer and got it too, but not now. I am far too old and wise for that. The little bird was company, and he lifted my spirits. As I watched him, I remember Jesus saying, Look at the birds. Are you not worth more than they? The, that passage kept running through my mind like I was supposed to learn something from it. <clears throat> it was like I was hearing it for the first time. Look at the birds, Jesus said. Look, look, look at the birds. I began to, began to realize that I never had, you know, I had seen birds, yeah. I, I had hunted birds. I had shot birds. I had cleaned birds, cut up birds, cooked birds, eaten birds. I had even fed birds. But I never looked at them. God help me, I thought, and God forgive me for not looking at the birds. I have argued, <coughs> argued doctrine <coughs> until the smallest gnat <coughs> was not only strained out of my dissect but dissected, I have pondered the grace works tension until I nearly snap. I have worried and worried myself 
over women's role in the church and questions about authority until I was wretched. <laughs> because I thought God wanted me to, and he does. But I had never looked at the birds because I thought the passage was symbolic or figurative or maybe unimportant. I had not learned the weightier matters of the law that bring balance, restore harmony, and cure loneliness. If I had spent more time looking at birds, I would have been a better person. I would have known far more about loving God, my brethren, my enemies, my family, even myself, and I would have been less lonely. Wrestling with millennialism and questionings about the Holy Spirit is all right, I suppose, but it does not speak to the real issues of life. I do not at all mean that I should not wrestle with those things. I do mean that a person can cure his loneliness and learn more about his relationship to God by looking at the birds than he will be by arguing doctrine. <laughs> now I'm outside, and I too, eaten birds, fed birds, killed birds, uh, stalked birds, but I have looked at birds. I have spent countless hours observing birds. When I was a little boy, and there was no fences. I guess it was the country. And I'd take off and wander in, in the countryside by myself. And I see this beautiful uh, waist high, which actually was head high to me. I was five years old. Uh, it looked like wheat, but it was just wild grass, and it was just swayed. I mean, it was maybe a couple of acres. It was beautiful. The grass would sway back and forth, and I would run and do a flip and land on my back like a somersault, and just hoping I would not hit a rock or something like that. But the grass, it just looks, it looks too spongy not to do that and to just uh, enjoy it. <clears throat> One time I was just laying down in the grass and all of a sudden a uh, little parakeet showed up. And I guess the parakeet had gotten loose because it was just right next to me. And then the parakeet had a following of other birds. A lot of little, uh, the smaller birds were following of a different kind, about maybe 12 of them. And they all got on my left side. The parakeet was at my right and the, the sparrows were at my left. And I was in the middle, and we were all little children of God in nature, loving. I could just almost reach over and touch the parakeet, see if he wanted to get on my arm, get in my hand. And he jumped and flew away, and all these other little birds followed the leader. They took off. One time, I was just meditating in the park as an adult, and it was raining, and it was meditation time, and I saw a big, and the wind and the rain was coming down, and it was a little strong, and I saw a big bird, not a really big bird, about the size of a pigeon. I couldn't tell what kind of bird it was, but he was flying against the wind, and he was going, dashing through the park, going north against the wind and the rain and there was a little bird right in back of it 
They were not of the same species, but he was following the big bird because the big bird was breaking the wind for him. And they both just trucked through the air like a very beautiful sight to see. Amen. And the other, the other point, when he said the bird looked at him intelligently, a lot of us have had that. We have seen squirrels look at us intelligent. I have seen deers in a headlight look at me intelligent. Uh, and you know what they're thinking. They're intelligent. They're saying, you don't know you were created and that there's a God that loves you. Kind of a look. I have had that many times. <clears throat> One time I was I was fretting about how God was going to take care of me. You know, my I didn't have a job. I had a car payment, a house payment, and every kind of payment. And I looked outside, and there was a squirrel. There was no squirrels in that area. And there was a squirrel eating a nut, and he was just looking at me. And I'm thinking... And he's eating a, a nut. Came out of nowhere. Never seen any squirrels in my backyard. Haven't seen any since in that area. I don't know where the squirrel came from. There was no trees around. Only a railroad. And yet the squirrel was just looking at me through the sitting on the on the fence, eating a kernel, and thinking. You know, he's going to feed you. It's going to be all right, man. God's got it. Did God didn't say, I'm always with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God told me to tell you, the squirrel says, that it's going to be all right. Yep, you don't have a job, but it's going to be all right. Yep, you don't know where you're going to get your next paycheck, but it's going to be all right. Yep, it's all about clapping. Well, I just started praising God, thanking him. And here I am. It was all right. And it's been all right hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. It's been all right. And to this day, it's all right. Good morning, family. Good morning. Welcome to today's podcast. All is well. All is well. We enjoy. We enjoy today's readings. <clears throat> Thank you so much for coming on today's reading. The topic I have in my mind. Let's go ahead and open it up with a moment of silence followed by the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The topic is for today, how to change, how to change a circumstance. And as you know it, uh, we can try and change it with anger, and anger doesn't change. We can try and change it with threat, and threaten ourselves. But the best way to change the situation is with, you got it, love. 
I mean, not the butt-kissing type of love, but the uh, other kind of love. The uh, love is tough. What do they call that? And, but you got to do it this way. What I see in my years of experiencing of trying to be better all of my life, trying to find uh, something squared away that will work. One of the things that has worked for me and has worked for countless others, millions of others, is uh, reading. Reading will get you out of, out of yourself into the book, reading proper, proper uh, material, <clears throat> material that produces a result, material that has answers, material that doesn't kill, steal, and rob, and murder, that kind of material. Whatever we think about, talk about, will come about. Boy, I haven't talked about that in a while, huh? Whatever we think about, talk about, will come about. So you've got to be very careful. Whatever we put in the last two weeks, it's what's coming out today. If you're, if you're looking at soap operas, if you're looking at murder, if you're looking at situations, well, guess what? It's coming out today. That's what we're sowing. That's what we're producing in our life. We're no different than the ground. But the main point is, is when someone's drinking, someone is not working, they're staying in their room, someone is eating your lunch, or you're eating your own lunch. You are the, the trouble of your own life. It's you. You're locked in regret. You're locked in and in, in, uh, you're pissed off, unable to move out of that situation. Do I have a plan for you? Do I have a remedy for you? Say, yep, I'm thankful I'm stubborn. I'm thankful I'm drinking. I'm thankful. Admit it. I'm thankful I have fear of people, of certain kinds of people. I'm, I'm grateful. I'm thankful. Whatever we try to resist, it just doesn't work. Resistance. You have to be thankful for your resistance. You have to be thankful for the resistor, the resistee. And just start thanking God and face it and accept it. Acceptance with thanksgiving is the way to go. Acceptance with thanksgiving because it doesn't end there. Your Father's will is good harmony in life in all areas. Your Father's will is abundant life, is, is stability, happy, joyous, and free. Nothing missing, nothing broken. It's, it's such a huge good will that it overrides our our thinking let's say how in the world is that going to happen well that's his title he even said so i am god there is no other if you can find another let me know but i don't see anyone else i created all these things isaiah 45 with god all things are possible matthew 19:26. Now, why would God say those kind of incredible things? And why would his kids repeat it over and over again to other ones that molasses, you got to carry them, molasses kids, that you got to beg them to get on with the program, you know? And all you can do is, is tell them, try this. Thank God that you're molasses. Thank God that you're dragging your butt around. And thank God that uh, what you think is is an injury is really self-pity what you think is an offense it's really self-pity what you think 
um, you've been done wrong, it's really self-pity. A healthy person will shake it off and keep going because this life is about try, try, and try again. Don't take yourself too seriously. You got to have a battering average of 700 and you got to have a, a failure average of 400, 300. But you keep on trying. The more you try, the more you're going to hit. The more you swing at them, the more you're going to hit them over the fence. Come on now. We can do this thing. Just say, I thank God I did it. I screwed it. I connived it. I lied about it. I cheated. You know, I did wrong. Thank you, God. Woohoo! That's turning your life over to a power greater than yourself, and that is God. And you keep on doing it. And for stubborn people that are outside of yourself, you start praising and thanking Jesus about them. Yep, folks, you said it right here. Jesus Christ, he's the only one that can change the elements, the conditions. Yep, other 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 little gods, I guess, work because they, but they keep you locked in. But this God, he show, he'll ask him, he'll show you, he'll come to you and he'll talk to you like he did me. Will the real God please come forward? And he'll take care of situations for you. Now it's your turn. My turn to believe he died on the cross and he was raised from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father. It's my turn to believe. It's my turn to say, Uncle, okay, God, I'll do things your way. I'll believe. Two things. Believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, God, and Savior of your life and a friend and buddy. And our job is to thank him for every situation, even death. Thank you, God, that truck's going to run over me. Thank you, God, that guy's going to shoot me. Thank you, God, I'm going to go home. Because you got it made, it. once you're in him, you got it made for eternity. Not only for life, we have it made for eternity. And we feel it and we sense it. And it's called love. Love. The more love we have, the more we can accomplish. The more we thank God for problems, the more love it, it increases. You're going to get peace. I'm going to get peace right away. I'm going to get joy. I'm going to get laughter when I thank God for my hiccups. Amen. I love you. Go get them. Give them heaven. Thank you, everyone, for coming in today's Zoom class. It's Rick and I. We're both in the program. Let's go ahead and get started with the set-aside prayer. Lord, I set aside everything I think I know about you. Everything I think I know about my fellow man, myself, and these 12 steps. For a fresh new idea in you, Lord, in my fellow man, in myself, and these steps. For your, for your order and your will, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's go ahead and say the serenity prayer just for uh, power. <laughs> God, <clears throat> grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, <clears throat> the courage to change those things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Okay, let's go ahead and get started with uh, 
Let's go ahead with the, the page 24. I'll read a couple of paragraphs and then you, I'll turn it over to you, Rick. The fact is that most alcoholics, for reason yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first strength. The almost certain consequences that follow taking even a glass of beer do not crowd into the mind to deter us. If these thoughts occur, they are hasty and readily supplanted with the old treadbare idea that this time we shall handle ourselves like other people. There is a complete failure of this kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hand on a hot stove. The alcoholic may say to himself in the most casual way, it won't burn me this time, so here's how, or perhaps it doesn't take it all. How often have some of us got began to drink in a slash way after the third or pounded out of the bar and said to ourselves, for God's sake, how did I ever get started again? Well, we can have that thought supplanted by, well, I'll stop at a six string or what's use anyhow. When this sort of thinking is fully established in individual uh, alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid, and unless locked up, many guys will firmly say in a stark and other fast been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history. But for the grace of God, there, there would be a more, there would have been more, there have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. Some of us want to stop looking out. There is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching. The leveling of our pride, the confession of our shortcomings, which the process requires for a successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had to come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we have been living it. When, therefore, we were approached to those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. The great fact is just this, and nothing less, that we had had deep and effective spiritual experiences which had revolutionized our whole attitude towards life, towards our fellows, and towards God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we can never do by ourselves. Dear service on as we were pleased there's no middle of the road solution. There was a position where, where life was becoming impossible and we had passed through the region of which there is no return to the human aid. We had to, uh, uh, two alternatives. One was to go out to the bare end, blotting out the consciousness of an intelligible situation as best as we could. The other was to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to and really make the effort. Amen. And page 62, please. Selfishness, self-centeredness that we think is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of self, forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us, seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past we, we made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must, or it kills us. 
God makes that possible, and there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without His aid. Many of us have had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them even though we had liked to. Neither could we have reduced our self-centeredness much by wishing to try on our own power. We had to have God's help. Here's the hell of the wife. First of all, we had to quit playing God and get more picks. We decided on there after drawing the black. God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father. We are his children. Their most good ideas are simple. This concept was the keystone of the new triumphant march we passed through freedom. When we seriously took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer, being all powerful, and provided what we needed him. We kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves and our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life as we felt a new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind and discovered that we could make life successfully. As we became conscious of, the, of his presence, we began to lose our fear of change tomorrow and thereafter we were reborn. We were now at step three. Many of us said to our Maker as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those that would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly him. Page 76, please. 76? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead and, and take it, please. Okay, hang on. When we're ready, we say something like this to my creator, I am now willing to do what you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove me from every single defect of character which has my way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me the strength as we walk there to your pity. Amen. As we we have now completed step seven. All right. Turn to page 86, please. On awakening. On awakening. Let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day before we begin. We ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is clear or wrong motives. In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. Here we ask God for inspiration, an intuitive thought, or a decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while.
The, the period of meditation with prayer has been shown throughout the day what our next step is to be. This, <clears throat> that is what is given to whatever we need or take care of such problems. <clears throat> we especially ask for freedom from self-will and careful to make no mistake no request for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others are to be helped. If we are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends, and many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work, you can easily see why. If circumstances warrant, we ask our wise friends to join us in morning meditation. If we belong to a religious denomination, which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. If not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers, which emphasize the principles we have been discussing. There are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right, make use of what they offer. Pass. As we go through the day, we pause and answer your example. We ask for the right thought or action. We have come to remind ourselves that we no longer run as a show. Help us take over so many times each day that will be done. We are in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, or self-pity, or foolish decisions. We become more and more efficient. And we, if we do not tire so easily, we are not bringing up energy foolishly as we do when we're trying to arrange our lives to ourselves. It works, it really does. Amen. On page 43, once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. D.N., beautiful, beautiful, beautiful words of life. They... I got my tank full. Let's go ahead and pray out with the, the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Ever, ever. Amen. Amen. Do, do I say it differently than, than there's different versions than you say it? No. No? All right. Okay. We did it. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on today and, and helping me stay sober one more day. God bless you, brother. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Bye, everyone. Chewing on the Cod, Psalms 139, 1-12, from the Message Remix Solo. Okie doke, I'll be reading Psalms 139, 1-12, and then we'll get into our Bible discussion. God, investigate my life, get all the facts firsthand. God, investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. 
I look behind me and you're there. Then up ahead and you're there too. Your reassurance presence coming and going. This is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it all in. Is there any place <clears throat> I can go to avoid your spirit? To be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go on the ground, you're there. If I flew on morning wings to the far western horizon, you'll find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. Then I said to myself, Oh, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. Let's think for a minute. The ruminant literally means to chew the cud. A cow will chew one on one particular wad of cud for hours at a time, over and over again, swallowing it and bringing it back up from its stomach. Consider the metaphor of the cud as you think about the phrases, investigate my life, I am an open book, and you're there. Read. Read the passage three times slowly. Ruminate on it. Ruminating. Don't skim or speed read. Chew on each word. Hold the words in your mind until you feel you consider every aspect of them. Huh. Let's go ahead and read it oh, another time. It says right here, Psalms 139, 1-12. God... Investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind and you're there. Then up ahead, and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it all in. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go on the ground, you're there. If I flew on morning wings, the far western horizon, You'll find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. Then I said to myself, Oh, he even sees me in the dark. <clears throat> At night, I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. Ruminating on the Word of God, we're chewing on the cut, Especially, God investigates my life. <clears throat> well, the first thought that comes to it, he'll find Christ in there. He'll find that his word says I'm a forgiven. His word says that, that Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. If God looks into me, he sees I messed up and I couldn't run my own life and I surrendered to him and I asked him to help me. I made a mess of things, work, relationships. 
I just surrendered completely. And I found out that God is there. When I used to feel self-pitying and depression set in, I would get on my knees and pray and found out that he was there and he was humorous and he was energizing. And I don't need to go into my self-pity, poor me attitude anymore because it's useless. If I go there, I know God is there and he's peppy. He's uppity up. Because you got too many things to to focus on than your own, you know, unwilling to accept things and be a, a person of responsibility. So get up and get going. Thank God for your emotions. Okay, pray. The next category is prayer. Spend time in silence, meditating on these phrases. Let them bounce around in your brain. Look at them from every direction. As you do that, explore the emotions and thoughts you are having. Especially ask God, why am I feeling this way, God? And put your heart in a posture of listening. Expect to hear from God. Okay, Psalms 139, 1 through 12. Let's, let's try again. God, investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind me and you're there. Then up ahead and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it all in. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit? To be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning wings through the far western horizon, you'll find me in, in a minute. You're already there waiting. Then I said to myself, oh, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, these are all the same to you. Live. Spend a few more minutes listening to God and ask Him what you want me to do with what you have given to me. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want us to do with the things you have given us to do? Thank you for your word. And Amen. We rejoice in the word of God and we're thankful for this day. Amen. Everybody say amen.